This is the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. Did you know that menopause is not a medical condition? Your doctor or healthcare provider probably doesn't know this either. Now, I created the Menopause Movement to help women just like you decrease the suffering that menopause can cause. And the Menopause Movement provides world-class transformational education to help women make menopause the best time of their lives. And we've opened up a free video workshop for you to help you make menopause the best time of your life. Simply go to menopausemovement.com forward slash workshop to sign up. Today, we welcome Terry Sidford. Terry is a sought-after motivational TEDx speaker, author, television host, and life coach since 1998. She's assisted scores of people and organizations in achieving their dreams, which she believes is her life's purpose. Terry's greatest joy has always been to help others unleash their potential and live life to the fullest. Based on her success as a professional coach and thought leader, in her research on the benefits of owning your courage, she has been asked to speak at many personal growth and business-related events. Terry spent over half her life acquiring the knowledge and experience that qualify her to guide others. The acquisition of those experiences is the basis for her book, 100 Hearts, Inspiring Stories from the Women Who Lived Them a collection of stories of female courage in the face of adversity. Terry is also a certified passion test facilitator, accredited Pilates instructor, author of two books, and a popular newsletter that showcases her personal experiences and insights, as well as a regular contributor to a national wellness magazine, The Great Health Guide. During the podcast interview, we talk about Terry's path to coaching, power of reframing our past, the difference between thriving through adversity and not. My medical school journey, passion test facilitation, and what it actually does for you, living outside our comfort zone, why courage is so important in achieving our goals, self-love as a key to action, and stay to the end to find out how to get started with forgiveness, even if you have a really difficult time with it. At the end of the episode, make sure you visit menopausemovement.com forward slash blog, where you can find the show notes plus the links to the books and resources mentioned in the episode. And if you enjoy the episode, be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So you're always the first to know when each episode is released. Thanks for all of the five-star reviews. If you haven't left a review yet, please leave a written review on your podcast platform today, because when you do this, more women can find the podcast, get the help they need during the disruption of menopause, because no one should have to go it alone. Thanks again for being a part of the menopause movement. I'm happy to have you here today. Now let's get to Terry. <music> Terry, welcome to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm really happy to have you here. You know, Terry, you, you're a TEDx speaker, you're an author, you're a television host, and you've been a life coach since 1998 when I was just uh, two years into medical school. And so it's it's really an honor to have you here on the Menopause Movement Podcast. And, and you know, it, it looks like you're really into courage. And so yes. before we start talking about courage and menopause, what I'd like to know is, you know, what got you into that? And, and, you know, how, how, let's just hear your story a little bit. And if you have anything about menopause to throw in, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> and thank you so much for having me. Uh, there's so much I want to say. Uh, first of all, my journey is uh, been an interesting one where I became a life coach after be, doing, being a pharmaceutical rep <laughs> in the corporate world and, you know, working 60 hours a week, 
and realizing that wasn't my passion, became a coach, started working with a lot of people and mostly women and realized 15 years into it that majority of them were incredibly courageous and demonstrated courage, but didn't ever rarely see it themselves. Hmm. And, I, and I was telling a friend one day about it and she said, Terry, you should write a book about that. And I'm like, a book? I can't write. You know, I wouldn't even know where to start. No, can't write a book. She goes, I'll help you. And she did. And I wrote that book based on 100 surveys on the subject of courage. And it was fascinating. It was all walks of life, you know, all ages. And again, these women, many of them told their story for the very first time in the survey. Wow. One thing I've noticed that is really interesting about, you know, I've surveyed tens of thousands of women in menopause. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've noticed is that women are really willing they don't know me from anyone, but they're willing to pour their hearts out in the surveys and let us know, you know, how menopause is disrupting their lives and, and then like what their life would look like if they were able to get a solution. And, you know, based on that, we've, you know, that's, you know, the menopause movement offerings that we have, you know, starting with our weight loss challenge. And what's really interesting is that when you give people a, a safe space to talk, and they're really going to tell, they're going to tell their stories. And, and so you were able to collect these into a book. And what's that book called? 100 Hearts Spilled One, Out. 100 I Hearts. I just happen to have one, you know, right here oh, to let's, show let's you. Take a you look. Know, so yeah. there we go. <laughs> All right. 100 so Hearts. 100 Hearts, and that's available on Amazon. You can get it. We'll yes. link it up in the show notes. But so these are stories of courage. So mm -hmm. kind of in the vein of uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul, more like, you know, if you're feeling down and low, this might be a really good book for you to pick up and, and see, you know, a way to recognize your own courage. And I, I just want to say, you know, my own, my personal story is one of resilience over and over and over again. And, you know, starting with as a child with, with, you know, significant and violent sexual abuse, all the way up to, you know, a, a bad marriage and, and just, making making the mistakes and then and then kind of failing forward throughout my life and to where my son had cancer and you know I stopped everything and helped. I mean so so when you wow. talk about courage you know wow. I've never thought of myself as courageous I mean I entered <laughs> medical school when my son was still uh, getting chemotherapy <laughs> Okay, do you know how many chills I have right now? You just you are the people that I'm talking about in, in my book. I mean, you yeah. this is what we're what I'm talking about. When right. you know, people like you, I mean, that you're amazingly you're 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 resilient, and, and, you're courageous, you're brave, all of the above. Right. And and the thing is is that I don't see that. I just see, you know, I did what I had to survive. I had to, you know, make ends meet. I borrowed a lot of money so I could get through school and not have to worry. And, and I, I went to a surgical residency and I, cause I thought, you know what, this is how I'm going to be able to make money and, and free myself from, you know, this marriage and, and make sure that my son is taken care of because since he's had cancer, he's going to have some special needs and, and all these things. And I was able to reach all those goals, but I was never happy. Mm hmm. And, you know, I would set these goals and say, okay, when I get this, I'm going to be happy. When I get that, I'm going to be happy. Mm -hmm. And then I'd get that and I wasn't happy. I was like, well, what's next? And so then what happened for me is as menopause hit me, I realized that I wasn't doing what I was put on the earth to do. And that <laughs> I had been living from a program that I created at age five about how I could only make money if I was a doctor. And 
I had to break that programming and I actually, you know, I had grown a surgical practice. It was a multi-million dollar surgical practice and I had, and I had grown it to five surgeons, including myself. And I had to let it all go. Yeah. Wow. That's a courageous act. And I can't believe that story. I mean, I think it's an incredible (laughs) one. And I, when you share your story and that's, that's what I talk about when people share their story. I also have a Facebook group called choose courage movement. And I do interviews. I share people's stories because I think the more that we share our stories, like you just did, the more people are inspired to do things they didn't think they could do. And listening to other stories, they thought they were alone. They thought they were the only person feeling this way, or maybe they, maybe this is even going a little bit further and I have my own personal story as well, which I didn't realize yeah. until I wrote the book. And someone asked me about my own courage. And I'm like, no, I, I don't know what to say. Yeah. And so I changed my personal story by sharing it as well from being ashamed of my past to seeing myself as courageous. So not only sharing our stories helps inspire people, but maybe for the first time, they'll start to see themselves as courageous. And that empowers them to even be more courageous. Yeah, and take I, I, bold steps. Right. And that's so important because, you know, for me, being able to talk about the sexual abuse as a child, and I talk about it not for sympathy, I talk about it because those things happened to me and I had no control over it. And without those things that happened, I wouldn't have the resilience I have now. I mean, I was always the type of person who got up off the horse and just, you know, got up and got right back on the horse and, and I wouldn't let anything, you know, break me. Yes. And, and that's not to say that I wasn't a broken child because I was, and I had a lot of things to come through. There were a lot of, you know, sexual abuse is, is tough and, mm-hmm. and, and it really plays with our sense of self and our own self-worth and things like that. So if you've, if you're a woman who's been sexually abused and that's probably one in three in America, yes. then, you know, I'm not minimizing that, but I am saying that that experience is the thing. It's like a, it's like, you know, a, a kiln or a fire that's going to make you better as long as you choose to look at it from the position of strength. And for me, the, the biggest strength I had was forgiveness. Oh, it's so true. So true. Yeah. I mean, some of the worst moments of my life are the most defining. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when I did the, and I, we'll talk about forgiveness because I think that's a really important subject that a lot of people ask me about. But I remember, um, you know, I, I, when I did the survey, I was wondering what is there is there something uh, a, a common denominator of something that makes people uh, succumb to their difficulties and challenges or things that have happened to them, and others that that that, make, that take off and they they keep going and they actually thrive. Yeah. Some of them, and I really wanted to understand what's the difference. And I don't know that I have the exact answer to that after all this research I've done, but I do know there's a will inside to survive and keep going. And others don't have that will to, they just don't think they can, or they might not have had the people, the right people around them. Some people have it, I think, innately inside them their entire life. They're born with that. Others have other important people that have come into their life that gave them that hope, and then others don't. Well, in my studies of resilience, I've read a lot about POWs, especially the the, the Korean and, and Vietnam War POWs. And what's interesting about that is that the POWs who came in with this super positive mental attitude were the ones who broke. And hmm. the people who were able to be in the present and find something every day to look forward to, those are the ones who made it. 
And so positive mental attitude can help to a degree, but being present in the moment is probably the thing that is going to move us forward, especially when we're in some sort of traumatic situation. And, you know, I, I can't, I can't say whether, you know, what, what happened for me. I mean, you know, my story is anecdotal and, you know, most stories are because, mm -hmm. you know, they're just personal reflections and, and I, you know, I remember it through a filter. It's not like it's a the truth. It's just, it's just a truth that I remember. And who knows, you know, memory is faulty, but it's very, yes, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, what I noticed about all of the successes that I've been able to create in my life, they're all based in action. And mm -hmm. whenever I chose to become depressed over something or, or sit and wallow, there was no action. And, and I can say that I was the one who filed for divorce when my husband decided to leave my house. The, like two days later, he, I mean, it was a month, the next day he left on a Friday. On Monday, he was served with divorce papers because it was like, you know, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> I'm going to move forward with my life, you know? And, and of I course, that. It, ended up, it ended up being this really long drawn out thing. And, and I'm not saying I wasn't sad because I was, I mean, it was really mm -hmm. awful. Nobody gets married thinking that they're going to get divorced. No. It's just not no. how it happens. No. But the, the point I think is that, is that we carry in us humanity, a lot more ability to do things than we may think. And we, you know, like my mom gave up early, my mom gave up early and she, she was a drinker and, and she ended up dying of a, a disease called Wernicke Korsakoff and she had a, a dementia and, and she just, she just gave up early. She was a broken human and, mm -hmm. and that's sad. And we mm -hmm. all see people like that, but you know, it's almost like the universe put her in front of me so that I would not be like that. Yes. Yes. Again, yeah. that's like you chose to go opposite of that. And I'm going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go down yeah. that road. Yeah. Um, so what, how do you, what do you think it was in you that, I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't know because it's been such a long, I mean, this is, this is, this is a very different podcast from, from usual. And, and, uh, you know, for you to ask that question, I, I, for me, uh, <laughs> I'm a coach. So, that's what yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. that's okay. I'm a coach too. But, but I'm thinking. Yeah. So let me let me think on that for a second. What I have uh, never really wanted to fail at anything, and mm. I've always had this ability to reframe my failures. And you know, I've had lovers in the past who said I've never seen anyone have so, you know just just fall down and land on their feet so many times like you. It's like <laughs> it's like you know your shit smells like rose and. <laughs> And I'm like, well, I don't I know what that means, but, but, you know, and, and he, he, an example is I decided I wanted to go to medical school and I was in the middle of this really bitter divorce and, <laughs> and my husband was acting really awful and, and my son was getting chemo. And what I did was my husband was just like, he had stalked the house or something. I was just really doesn't, didn't feel safe. And so the next day I picked up my son and I went to Seattle to stay with my brother. Hmm. And, and what, what happened was I stayed with my brother and, 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 you know, I had called the doctor to say, you know, can I leave for a week? Is it okay, you know, with, with my son's chemo and whatnot? And, you yes, know, blah, blah, blah. yes. And so I was okay there. And then I stayed with my brother for a week. And the whole time I was applying to medical schools. And I applied, I applied, I applied. And I got rejected because I went to the school called Harvey Mudd College, which is in Southern California. They don't have any grade inflation. And my GPA was 2.9, which is really good for that school. Wow. But, you know, medical schools don't see it that way. And I had good MCAT scores and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I was like, and I just kind of let it go. I'm like, I'm going to apply. I'm going to let it go. Rejection, 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 rejection. I was like, shit, a lot of MD schools. So I applied to DO schools 
rejection, 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 rejection. Oh, and there was wow. a, and there's a DO school in Pomona, California. It was seven miles from my home. And they gave me an interview. I was like, okay, great. And then my brother died. What? My brother died on April 7th. What? And my interview was on April 15th. No. And my, my <laughs> colleagues at work said, they said, you have to cancel your interview. I said, no, I don't. I said, I won't, I won't, if I cancel this interview, I won't get into medical school. I know this to be a fact. Yes. And, and so I went to my brother's funeral. I went to my interview and I got waitlisted. I was like, okay, fine. And I started calling them like every other day I called. I said, listen, you know, as, as the, the entry date got closer and closer in August of 1996. <laughs> and this was in the days of, of the answering machines where you called up, you left a tape <laughs> message, right? Yeah, exactly. So I was calling my answering machine several times a day. I was calling them saying, listen, you know, I'm right here. I, I'm seven miles away. If you get a seat, I will drop everything and come and go to school. And so I made it a point, right? And yes. one of those days, I pick up the phone, I listen to my messages at my home, and there's a message from them saying, we have a seat for you, and we need $1,250 <laughs> right now to hold your seat. Yes. I left my office. I left my office. I called my dad. I said, dad, I need $1,250 right now. I don't have it. Please, please wire me money. And what he did was he sent it via Western Union. I left my office. I went to Western Union. I drove over to the medical school. I said, I'm coming. I'll be there in five days. I missed the white coat ceremony. I missed all that shit. And I just went to school. And went I straight my, to school. I did. I did five days before school started. And that's the power of manifestation. That's the power yes. of self-belief. That's the power. So, and, yes. and I don't tell I don't tell this story much anymore because it's a you know great I, story. I know, but I had to go to medical school because I had created this belief that the only way I could make money was to be a doctor back when I was five. And <laughs> yeah, so there you go. You know, yeah. and, and so that subconscious program was running. And I was 31 years old. My son was still getting chemo. And I'll tell you what, that was back in the day when you could get C's in medical school and still pass. Mm. And for me, I was like, I just need to pass. That was the real, because I had my son getting chemo. I wasn't able to go to class because my son was so sick. And I said, I just have to study these. I just have to pass. I just have to pass. I just have to pass. And I never failed anything. And I got A's. I got B's. I got some C's. And it was okay. And I never really worried about, about because a lot of the stuff in medical school was stuff you could just look up. I was like, why do I have to memorize this? This is stupid. Right. <laughs> I understand that too. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's cool. so yes. yeah. And so, and so that's what happened. And then and during my residence, during my my clinicals, I re it wasn't until fourth year that I realized that I was going to the operating room all the time, and I was like, "Oh, you I guess I'm going to be a surgery. surgeon." Yeah, yeah. And so, and that's, and that's, and so that's kind of how I ended up being a surgeon. It's an incredible story. Yeah. I mean, your story is what what I live for. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a good thing you're on my podcast then. But yeah, I, didn't I, mean, I didn't mean to. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't mean to. Yeah. But what what I want to hear. So I have to now I have to talk about, you know, my my story. But a belief you school. have a belief. You had a belief and a persistence that is was very obvious. You didn't give up. You didn't let obstacles get in your way. And, you know, I have some similar characteristics. Sure. In me and, you know, but I never saw them either. But, you know, no was like, OK, so how do I do it? And I was right. like, okay, well, there's got to be a way. Some yeah, well, that's stories. that's the thing. When it comes to, you know, like, let's say you're in sales, right? Mm -hmm. And people who are in sales look at no as just another opportunity to get a yes. Because it's not a personal rejection. It's just not this time. Not right, right. now. Not, yes. you know, and that, that makes, that makes like the whole sales thing not so hard. I have a couple questions for you, though. Okay. So we can All stop right. making it about me and we'll start okay. talking about you. Deal. 
Tell me what, you know, you, you say here in your bio that you're a certified passion test facilitator. So what is that? What is a passion Ooh. test facilitator? I help people. It's a very um, simple but powerful tool that I was trained to do to help people find their passions. And we drill it down to their top five. And then I help them uh, with a, a process of how they start to create that in their lives. Oh, that's and so cool. It's super powerful. Yeah, it's super. Uh, people love it. It's yeah. really helped people see that there is they have a vision for something that they never even thought of before. And I've helped people, you know, get there. Like, you know, they just wrote it down on their little test and then all of a sudden they're starting to create it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's so powerful. And you know, women in menopause, there, there's this this time, because it's so disruptive for us, we have this opportunity to really reframe our lives, recreate our lives, because we have a lot more free time. We, we're not carting the kids around, or we're not worried about our, our spouse's, you know, work and all the things, you know, we're not expected to take care of the people quite as much. And, and we have this ability to maybe pick up a, a a hobby or a passion. And so taking a test, like a passion test, facilitation test may really help. And, you know, one of my friends told me the other day that, that, you know, over 90% of new businesses are started by women over 50. Yes. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. That's yeah. exciting. So yeah. I think, I think you also have less to prove in a way. I don't know what it is with yourself or, or, or at least for me after yeah. 50, I was just kind of like, you know, Now's the time. Now's the time to do what I really want to do. And um, I'm not going to leave anything on the table. And I yeah. really have. I really have done that well, it's, after it's, 50. Yeah. When you stop worrying about what people, other people think of you and you just like let yourself get out there. I mean, oftentimes the thing that holds us back is, is the story that we tell ourselves about, you know, what other people are saying. And I'll tell you, every time I get a hater, I'm so happy because that means I made it. Every time somebody says, you know, you're a jerk or whatever, I'm like, yes, can you tell me what is causing you to say something like that? You know? That's so good. I mean, I mean, like I put up my second vaccination photo. I was, you know, happy to get that. Yes. I wasn't happy with the sickness that I got from it because it kind of put me down for a whole day. You know, I yes. got a lot of I got a lot of fever and chills, but that just means my my immune system was working, right? Yes, exactly. But I put it up on my Facebook page and I get about 37,000 followers on the Facebook page. And I'll tell you, man, the anti-vaxxers came out in droves. For, they didn't come out for the first one, but they came out for the second one. And I'm like, you know, I, I was just answering them like, like, listen, you know, it's your body. Choose or not choose, you know, but we do know that these vaccines prevent 100% of hospitalizations. doesn't matter which vaccine it is. Right. And, and you know, you want to take the vaccine. You don't want to take the vaccine. That's okay. But, you know, why are you coming on my page and preaching all this, like, conspiracy <laughs> theory stuff? It's crazy. Yeah, it I is. I had to delete, like, 10 comments. I know. I know. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of it out there. There's a lot of it out there. Yeah. I'm dealing with the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but haters are great. Haters, <laughs> haters are just the ones that are like, you know, they let you know that you've, you've made it because until you get a hater. Isn't that great? Yeah. I love that to tell people yeah. that it's really important that, you know, you know, you're going for it and yeah. you're getting out there. And I agree with you a hundred percent. It's, it's yeah. pretty fun. I mean, I've been living out of my comfort zone for some time now. <laughs> so let's talk about that living outside the comfort zone. What does that mean to you? That means doing something I didn't know that I could do, or it's the unknown and going for things that I really don't even know if I'm qualified to do something <laughs> maybe I've dreamed of, but as I don't know how I'm going to do it, I don't have the rule book on how to do it. And one example of that was, you know, after I wrote the book, well, just writing the book was one of them mm -hmm. because I was a horrible speller in school, very, very insecure from my, my um, chaotic 
upbringing, which, so I had low self-esteem, low confidence, horrible in school. And like, so I wrote a book. I'm like, yeah, that's amazing. And called myself an author. And it's really been a proud moment for me. Okay, wait, 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 wait. wait. You called yourself an author. So you just qualified that, you know, you are an author. I am an author. I am yeah. an author, but it, it, you caught something really important. Yeah. I still say it and it, it's very emotional for me. And it took me a, a little bit after it was published. My book was published to call myself an author. And that was a huge moment for me. And that was after yeah. 50. That was, yeah. that was after 50. And, and then I wanted to get the message out because I had such positive response. And someone said, you should start speaking, mm. speaking. I'm over 50, you know, all those things in your head. You know, public speaking is like the number one thing that people are afraid of. It it is. Yeah. And I didn't seem to be that concerned, but I never, I didn't think I could, I wasn't sure if it was my thing. So someone challenged me to apply for a TEDx talk. And I'm like, oh, all right. You know, she's a speaker who challenged me to do this. And I said, oh, it's going to take me about a year to probably to find one that fits to get in. First one I applied to. They, they accepted it. They wanted me on the stage four months later. <laughs> wow. Wow. So yeah. did you do an 18, 18 minute talk? I, I did. I yeah. did. Yes. And, yeah, and did, was, they, did they help you frame it and all those things? They did. They have great wow. training. Yeah. Great training. Yeah, yeah, there's fact, a great think, book. Uh, there's a great book on it. Like uh, Speak Like Ted or something like that. I can't remember. It what is. It's I called. have that one. Yeah. It, yeah. I it's a, it's it. a really good book. Yeah. So just mm-hmm. uh, we'll hook that one up in the show notes too. Yes. So, so let's talk about your TEDx experience because one thing that, that, you know, people are really afraid of public speaking. And, you know, I, I, I would say that I was afraid of public speaking. And then I, you know, filmed a TV show and I was like, well, it's not that hard, you know, and mm-hmm, I had to mm-hmm. like get over my body image issues because I was a lot heavier than, than I am now. And I was like, okay, you know, there's this whole thing about the camera adding 10 pounds. And that, that's something that I grew up hearing, you know, when you wear, you know, you get do. in front of the camera, it you adds 10 that. pounds. Yeah. And, and I, I was looking at stuff and I was looking at, at, at videos and I was looking at people and I said, you know, people just look like they look on camera. <laughs> There's, it doesn't add any weight. It's just, you look like no. you look. And so I had to tell myself that because I didn't get to the weight I wanted to. And, and I, the time came up and, and it was time to start recording. And so, and, and actually, if you want to watch the, t- the, the TV show, you can watch it on, on the YouTube channel. Uh, I think it's episodes, I want to say three through 11 on the podcast. So, Oh, great. Yeah. So if anybody who wants to go watch it, you can watch it there. Just kind of watch it in order because they, they work on each other. But anyway, so I had to reframe it for myself or else I would have been super shy on camera and, and that wasn't something I wanted to do. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And, and what we did on that show is we, we, it was, it was called the, well, actually it's called the Dr. Michelle Gordon show. But what we, what I did was I took a bunch of women to Mallorca and we rode our bikes there and we talked about menopause and, and it was really fun. And I'm, I'm hoping to do another season, uh, in the next couple of years and, and, you know, we'll have a little contest of women who want to come uh, along and yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's, that's one of my, that's one of my things, you know, we'll, we'll do, do some, you know, maybe some hiking in the Himalayas or something. I don't know. Oh, I love it. Love that. But yeah, so I had to move forward. I mean, I was nervous about that, but I had to move mm-hmm. forward and do it again. And, and while I've, you know, only spoken in front of a couple hundred people, maybe, maybe once like live, you know, we've got, 
you know, a lot of subscribers now to the podcast and every week I'm talking to, <laughs> to people and I've got this, I've got this, you know, platform now. And I, I would, the way I think about public speaking is very different now. And, and it's not something I'm afraid of. If I had to get in front of a bunch of people, I would just teach my stuff. <laughs> well, that, I think that's the difference is when you're talking about something you're passionate about, something yeah. you, you want to share and it, you're yourself it's really kind of easy. You know, you have somewhat of a subject you're going to be talking about. I, you know, I'm not the one, I have an outline, but I really like to just, just go for, you know, the moment. And sometimes yeah. I change it up in the moment and doing my TEDx talk really was the first time I'd ever tell, uh, sh uh, shared all my stories in my life wow. that were very wow. vulnerable. And I'll never forget it, you know, that walking off stage, knowing that all these people listened to my story and I finally shared my story. It was, was so freeing and one a moment I'll never forget. It really changed my life, that moment. And then I've been speaking ever since. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And so how have you pivoted from speaking at live events uh, throughout the pandemic? Great question. I've been doing virtual speaking and that's what everyone's doing. And I just had to learn more of the technology aspect of it. But I really miss the one-on-one -on -one looking at all the beautiful yeah. eyes in, in the audience and things like that. But that's okay. It's temporary. We're going to get back. We can still share our message that way. And thank goodness that we can, right? Yeah. You know, I've one been doing of my more podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. One of my favorite yeah. things about teaching online though, is when, is when I've got a, a room full of Zooms and I make it so I can like watch people if I'm teaching and, and, and I'll call them out. I'm like, oh, I see you taking a, taking a picture of the, of the screen. And, you know, and so I, I feel it's, it's, it, it was really a good, for somebody like me who'd never really taught in front of a group before it was a really good segue to live training you know once once li life gets back to a, a new normal yeah that because i i was able to test out what works what doesn't work and i had a you know i had a lot of tech glitches and things and mm -hmm. i just laughed them all i mean it was so funny because i didn't care i'm just sitting in my you know i'm sitting in my <laughs> office here and it's like oh well let me just back up my powerpoint it just went like 25 <laughs> slides ahead sorry about that let's go back you know and so it, it's it's really great to just feel comfortable in your skin talking to people. It, it, it is. I, I love, I love interviewing as well, not just speaking. So I understand it's really yeah. cool when you can just be yourself and, and love what you do and, and really know that you have, you're offering something that's valuable out there. And no matter what happens, technically, it doesn't matter. It's who you, it's who you are. Yeah. That's showing up that people want to see. At that I have learned that over the years. I also did a, a short uh, television sh uh, show um, where we were interviewing people in my area and with my a good friend, and we just stumbled upon it without any any uh, experience in doing it at all. And what I loved the most was just hearing people's stories. I mean, and and trying to get more out of them from their story. Yeah, and <clears throat> I loved it. Love yeah, getting get, I, I love hearing people's stories, and I, I my my favorite thing is when a woman who is really really struggling with menopause, and we call that mental misery here at the menopause movement, <laughs> and and somebody who is is just really having a woman who's really having a hard time is beating down on herself, just is feeling down and low, feeling alone, and they come through our program called the Minnow System, and they start to see number one they're not alone, number two that they have yeah. value. And number three, there are a lot of actions that they can take that's going to, they're going to be their own savior. They don't they're not nobody else going to come and save them. And so what we do is we just kind of guide them through this phase so that they can see that 
not only is menopause not a medical condition, it's just a phase, a blip in your ah. life. Even though the symptoms can last the rest of your life, it's not about that. It's about looking at your life from a place of power. Yes. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be recommending so many people to you. <laughs> oh, that's I mean, great. I, yeah, I mean, I can tell when people are kind of struggling with this, and I have to gently, hey, yeah. <laughs> what's happening in your life? <laughs> you know, it's, you know, you're on hormones, or you know, what's going on, or you're not on yeah. hormones, or you know. So yeah, there's a lot of people that I would love to send your way, but they that's don't. Great. They're kind of introvert. I think they don't really. They're a little nervous to even talk about it. Right. Well, that's the thing, and and that's why I called it the menopause movement because mm -hmm. menopause is like the secret society that no one wants to talk about. It's a People think that it's this like shameful time that, that, you know, women are going to go through. And I look at it as it's the privilege of a long life and mm. I don't have to have a period anymore. No. And, and periods Hallelujah. were just, oh my God, <laughs> yes. they were always so horrible for me. And so yes. I was so happy. Like I tried, I tried bioidentical hormones and I got a period. I was like, mm -mm, I'm not doing that. <laughs> not going and I was there. like, I'll yeah. suffer. I'll <laughs> figure out, I'll figure out how to get through the suffering. So, and, and, and I like to say the suffering is optional in menopause and, and, and we, mm. we help move, you know, move people out of minnow misery and we call it the minnow mate way. So when you come into our community, you become a minnow mate and you have a group of women who are going to help you kind of manage your life. And so it's really great. And we help women, you know, really reframe menopause. But on that, you know, on top of that, we also help them lose the minnow belly because the minnow belly is the biggest thing people complain about after, yes. after, Yes. After is serving tens of thousands of women, overwhelmingly, it's the menopause weight that that really starts to get them down, and then and then that you know they start talking bad about themselves and start comparing themselves to how they used to be and and all those things, and so we we really help them to reframe it. So, so how do I sign up? How do you? <laughs> yeah, go to menopausemovement.com forward slash workshop. Workshop. Okay. Yeah, w yeah, I think it's W-K-S-H-O-P, I think is where, where we're going to do it. We're still building it out, but we've got Exciting. a we've got a, a, a video series all about how to how to kind of manage menopause. And then that leads off to a weight loss uh, challenge that's very affordable. It's that's super exciting. Affordable. That's very exciting. Um, yeah, because I'm there definitely, and I can relate to all of this. And it, you know, it's I, and yeah. I think we're all very individual. I, I I don't know if you have that experience too. That I'm sure that we're all deal with it differently. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. When it comes to menopause, there's no one size fits all answer, yeah. but we have challenges that you know we we love challenges because of how it works with our psychology. That, that help us really take the action. And they're not hard challenges, like one thing a week. Let's, let's, Perfect. let's make it, you know, <laughs> let's, let's make it successful. Let's, let's, you know, because, because when we lose the middle belly, when we, when we start to feel like we're getting control over that middle belly, then, then we can start to look at, okay, what's next? Yeah. What's next? Yeah. So that's, that's, that's super exciting. And that's, that's, uh, what a gift. You know, what a gift. I know, I know. It's, it's what a gift. It's taken us a while to get to this, you know, the menopause mm -hmm. movement, you know, we were, we were more about some other things first and, and now, you know, I thought it was more about community. I mean, it's been a journey. It's been I'm a sure journey, like figuring out the the message of the menopause movement. But, mm -hmm. you know, we want to help women. We want to help as many women as we can. And it's our mission to help a million women this year. And so, <gasps> okay. Yeah. All right. Game on. I'll help you. Yeah. I'll yeah. Yeah. You. Yeah. And so we yeah. want, we want to, we want to help as many women as we can. And if the biggest challenge is weight, then let's address the weight and then the rest of it we can deal with afterwards. Yeah. So that's definitely. super, super cool. So, all right. So we talked about, you know, how you got to collecting stories of courage, but, but, I want to know from, from you, like wh why, why courage? Why is courage so important to you? <laughs> this is a story in itself. 
That's great. I, I want to hear it. Yes. I have never, you know, I, I did not identify the word courage in my own life until I was coaching women, a lot, mostly women. And I had to put a word, I had to identify what, what I was seeing okay. and that they were doing things, overcoming things, multitasking, kind of like you. And, and they still were hard on themselves. And I would say, I would want to tell them something like, you are so strong, brave, you know, resilient, all that. but courage. I kind of looked up the word courage and it fit for me in, in, in describing your, these women. What's your definition of courage? Courage is facing your fears or things or the unknown or things you don't think you can do and, and doing it anyway. You just keep yeah. going and go, okay, thank you very much, but I'm going to keep going. And what I've also learned that 98% of what we fear never happens. Yeah. That's just it's, our mind. It's our mind. Yeah. yeah that's just our mind. Yeah. And, and it can really paralyze people. It can't. Well, the mind's job is to is to protect us. It's to think and to protect us. And and you know, if we think that there's a danger out there, then we're going to want to shy away from it. But you know, yes. I think you, there, there's a there's a long kind of quote from Mother Teresa, you know, about Love. people are going to be mean to you, but you know, do it anyway. Just suck it up and do it anyway. Mm. And she doesn't say that, but so I, it's a paraphrase. But but there's this whole thing about love them anyway, and yes. and forgive them anyway, and yes. you know, move forward. And so courage is this is this thing that that helps us to be brave in the face of fear. But you know, if we can redefine fear as just something that we're hardwired to pay attention to because mm -hmm. of growing up with saber-toothed tigers, right? And mm -hmm. they're not, and we also fear is a lot in our minds, you know, and I like to call it false events appearing real. Yes, I love yeah. that one. I've heard that one. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I got it, that from Jack Canfield. But, yes. But fear, fear is fear. There's, we only have, I think, three fears, right? That, that we're hardwired to have. And, and, and it's the fear of loud sounds, the fear of falling. And I can't remember the third one off the top of my hmm. head. Uh, but, but we're definitely, maybe it's only two. Uh, the fear, because when you look at a baby, right, what is a baby mm -hmm. afraid of? A baby is afraid of falling and they're afraid of loud sounds. Yes. And those are the fears that we're born with. Yes. And if we can start to look at fear from that perspective and fear is, is the, it's like our emotions telling us, well, go gentle, but mm -hmm. still go. That's a good, cautious. that's a good, great line. That's a great line. It's true. Yeah. And, and yeah. actually like, looking at fear is kind of our friend in a way, because it's telling us something. and just kind of stop and say, what is it telling me? And is it true? Right. First of all, you but always got to look at it as if it's true. And, and, and yeah, when it comes to anxiety and menopause, a lot of women develop anxiety. They've never had anxiety before, but they start to develop it. They yeah. start to second guess themselves. They start to worry about anxiety. And, and there is a podcast called why do we get anxiety and menopause that I give you a framework, how to manage it. And the main thing is to look and see, is this true? Is this true? Is it true? Byron Katie, have you worked with some of her? I've never. I, I know people who know her, but I've never even read one of her books. I use some of her processes to identify um, limiting beliefs or, or beliefs yeah. that aren't true. And, and she has a little formula that, you know, you first ask, is it true? How do you know it's really true? And right. well, who would you be without that thought? <laughs> so right. Yeah. There's well, these like things, you know. Yeah, yeah, but our subconscious mind is so powerful because if we if we if we decide that we want to see something from a different angle, 
all we have to do is start looking for truth of that. And our subconscious will actually start showing us, you know, we can create our own reality in that yes. sense. And I'm not talking about all the woo, like, like um, new age stuff, although a lot of that's true. What, what I'm talking about is if you change your mind about a circumstance, then you can start looking for the reality that that circumstance is true. And the example I like to give is I had this employee and this employee was horrible. I mean, horrible, disparaging me, just try, trying to get out of the contract, all these really awful things. And I said, okay, I have to, and, and taking up a lot of my headspace, I have to say, okay, what, how do I want to reframe this? Because I, I don't really want to let this employee go yet. They're, you know, kind of productive and, you know, that sort of thing. And so I said, what am I looking for? And so what I chose to do was like, this is my lesson for how I feel when I have to fire someone. <laughs> This is my lesson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and you know what? It's really yeah. worked out because ah. I've been able to use those feelings and let people go because they, they weren't a good mm. fit. If somebody's yes. not a good fit for my organization and, then, and they're in my head more than a couple of times when I wake up, then it's probably and they're They're starting to ask a lot of, que you know, questions that are inappropriate or, or push back mm -hmm. against authority. Then mm -hmm. you know what? They're best served to not be in my in my sphere. That's fine. And we let yes. them go. And, and, and so that was a really great lesson for me. And, and, and just being able to reframe it saying, you know what, thank you for coming and being an employee in my organization and teaching me what I have to recognize so that I can fire fast now. Beautiful. <laughs> just beautiful. I mean, yeah. reframing is incredible. And I, it, I, it's I so work powerful. with my clients all the time with that. And it's, yeah. it's amazing how, if you could just, you know, change something just a little bit, just a perception, it can, it can look completely different change your whole life. Yes. Yeah, yes, for sure. And that's, that's, it's, it's, you know, it's easily, easily said more difficult in execution and better done with someone like you as a coach to yes. look, because when, when it comes to coaching yourself, oftentimes we're stuck inside the container. Mm -hmm. And one of my mentors, James Wedmore talks about how, when you want to coach yourself, it's as if you have two cups. So I've only got one here, but I've also got a, so here's a cup. Mm -hmm. And here's a, this is a, what is this? A, a hourglass. time glass. Yeah, time. an hourglass. hourglass. So <laughs> basically you're going to have two cups and what you're going to do is you're going to look at both these cups from outside and you're going to pour your problem into one cup and then you're going to look at it. Ah. And when you do that, you can be, you can be uh, much more objective and you can yes. actually be the observer because it's really hard to self-coach if you're not an observer, if you're stuck inside the problem. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That, that's, I love, I've never, I never heard of that and of that tool. Yeah. But I'm always trying to get them to step back and look outside of themselves from a different right. perspective or their thoughts yeah. or their well, perceptions. Remember that voice inside your head is not you. No, no, I don't you believe everything the, you think. <laughs> well, you are the observer of that voice, which is really yes. meta. Really it. it really is, isn't <laughs> so it? Meta. I know. I know. But, I've been reading this book called this, the seat of the soul. And it talks yeah. a lot about that. I don't, I don't know if you've read that one, but I haven't, I haven't, but yeah, it, talks, it, it talks a lot about that. It's, but it's true because yeah. we, we are the observer of our thoughts because mm -hmm. we are not the one creating those thoughts. It is the, the thoughts come, you know, because of the subconscious programming we've allowed to happen. And the one thing that's true is when we can get into a really a decent meditative state, or we can access the subconscious by asking questions, we can change our subconscious programming. Yes. And I mean, that was so powerful. I mean, over the last like four or five years, I've had so much personal growth just, just because I've been able to 
kill a lot of those beliefs that I had growing up. It's everything. I mean, it really yeah. is. It's huge. And, and, you're and you want to transform yourself or change things, your life. It's really identifying beliefs that aren't that from the past that aren't aren't <laughs> present right now. They're not yeah. real right now. They're just from the past. And how do we reprogram them? And just like you said, it you know it takes time that they've built up to be inside of us. But then it can it takes a little bit of time to first of all just identify that they're not true anymore, and then believe it and practice believing it. But getting into that present time and that meditative state really is has been key for me as well. Yeah, and um, there's a lot of good information out there that you know you and I both know, but this is really key to yeah, it um, is key. And if you want to learn how to get into that meditative state, I think Joe Dispenza uh, offers. I was going to mention him. <laughs> yeah, he offers some really yes. some really yes. great books. Uh, I think one of the best ones is Becoming Supernatural, mm -hmm. and Joe Dispenza is very out. I mean, he's very woo. I mean, he mm -hmm. sees beings that are benevolent, and so there's there's some really wooey things about him, but let's say, let's say you, you're religious and you worship Allah and you, or you worship Jesus, you can still do this. You can mm -hmm. still do this. It's just a matter of praying and asking, you know, is setting your intention in your prayer. Prayer does not have to be a supplication like, you know, I'm so sinful and forgive me. It prayer is more along the lines of show me where I can find the courage to do these things I need to do. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and asking that, that greater that that thing that's greater than yourself to help you, and if that's if that's God, if that's if that's Allah, if that's you know Krishna, it doesn't matter. I think they all no. do the same thing. I'm with that's you. I'm with you 100. Yes. So I wanted to ask you also about about if I'm a woman in menopause, all right? So mm -hmm. we have a you know obviously we have a a big uh, listening you know a lot of a lot of women listen to this uh, podcast across the world or watch it on YouTube and they're saying well that's all well and good for you guys you guys are coaches and you take chances and whatnot what would be the the smallest step the step that's impossible to fail to help a woman who's really kind of beating down on herself because, you know, she feels she's let herself go. She feels like she's gained a lot of weight. She doesn't know where to start, you know, just to, just to find that, that little sliver of courage to take the next step. How would you help somebody do that? Well, just in that scenario that you just gave me, I would say self-love and forgiveness. Okay. Uh, and I think if you can't get past that, then um, it's difficult to do something that feels uncomfortable or go past what you think you deserve or what you can do. So it, it, you really need to start with really forgiving yourself for mm. being human. We're all human. We're, we're, and I like to say that, you know, we're, I feel like I'm a spiritual being. You know, I'm not re religious. I'm just spiritual. That's just my path. And that we're living in this human body that we're having to deal with. A and I think sack. we're here yeah, to learn a lot of lessons from it. And man, <laughs> it, it's given me lots of lessons. Yeah. And menopause is one of them. So that's, that would, I just start there. Just start like, that's, how that's can great. I fully, like radically, I, I like to use the word radically, radically love yourself. What does yeah. that look like? What would that be like? And how can you forgive yourself for doing the best you could in the moment with what you had, what knowledge you had at the time? And just love yourself. Yeah. Start over today. Every day is a new day to start over. Every single day is. It's an opportunity. Now that's that's great. And and remember everyone that that guilt is blame turned inward <laughs> as is shame. And you don't want to be shooting second and third arrows at yourself whenever you have a pain. It's mm -hmm. it's important to 
really learn to let things go. But when it comes to forgiveness, do you have an, uh, a process that you find works to help people forgive? Because we talk about forgiveness mm -hmm. and we say you've got to let it go and you have to forgive. And forgiveness is usually in a spiritual context. Mm -hmm. And I said in the beginning of the podcast that forgiveness was key for me to mm -hmm. let go of my abusers and mm -hmm. what I realized, and this was back in my 20s, was that as long as I held anger toward those who abused me, I was, number one, staying in the past, and mm -hmm. number two, giving them power over me. And so I forgave for myself. But, but in terms of a process for forgiveness, how do you teach that? Because I think that that would be a really beneficial practice for our, our listeners. I'm asked this quite often, and I have one particular person I, that I've been working with that's really challenged right now with this. And it, I think it's depending on what your definition has been of what forgiveness is. And you kind of have to step back and be willing to have a new definition, first of all, of what forgiveness means and the power of it. And it doesn't mean you have to forget what happened. Right. What happened, happened. It doesn't erase what happened. Uh, it means that you release yourself from the negative energy, like you said, the anger from it mm -hmm. by forgiving this other person. And otherwise, that anger and that negative energy is will be harming you. And why would you ever want to give your power away to that person that you feel didn't do something right or harmed you or whatever it was? Why would you ever want to give them your power? The best thing you can possibly do is let life take care of them. <laughs> you know, everybody, you know, karma, whatever it is, right? Yeah, it goes around, comes and, around, man. <laughs> yes. And kind of believe that that will happen, you know, if they don't take care of whatever they've done. And and then just take care, start taking care of yourself. And, and the best, I wouldn't even, I don't want to use this word, but the best thing you can do for, for someone like that is to be your best self and, yeah. and show that that did... You, you actually became a better person and you didn't let that act or that whatever happened destroy you. That's the ultimate <sighs> description of forgiveness. I know it's not easy to do, but maybe just reframe what forgiveness is. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. And, and when you say about, you know, action and, and I, I, it just made me think of how, I, you know, getting into medical school and getting through residency and all that was like payback to my ex. And, right. and yeah, yes, yes. and, and when yes. he didn't, you know, when he didn't want to pay, like we had a very long drawn out divorce and custody and, and a whole bunch mm. of crap. And, and it was, it was really sad. And at one point I realized that I was making more in a month than he made in a year. And I said, you know what? I, I don't need him at all. Yeah, and, and it was such. Yeah, it was such a. That was such a. And and obviously, you know, not. I mean, I'm a surgeon. Surgeons get paid, and and so it isn't like you know, it, this isn't you know what I was making isn't normal money. I mean, you know, a lot a lot of people, you know, are never going to make the kind of money I was making. But I was I was I cracked the code on on how to make money, and I felt really good about it, and I was mm -hmm. super happy, and and that was that was great. And I think that it, it allowed it gave me a lot of freedom. It gave me a lot of freedom to not worry about anything my ex had to say about anything. <laughs> and and that was that what a great was really feeling. Huge. Yeah, 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 it really was. Yeah. You know, and I was able to put my son in private school against his wishes. And I was able to, you know, wow. help help him grow into the young man he is today because he went to that private school. Yes. And he was so disconnected with where our son was in terms of his life. Like he's like, well, he's got to stay at home because of his friends. I'm like, he has huh? no friends. <laughs> um, 
you know, so I, I think that success is a really, really great revenge. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, if you're into, I mean, at the end of the day, I wouldn't even call it revenge. I was just like, I was able to, to just like have a nice life. I don't care if I ever see you again. Yes. And that was, that was so freeing. That was it really is. awesome. Yeah, it is. You know, I, yeah. And it's success personally and professionally. Um, if you can use these moments in your life and these people to make you a better person and learn something about yourself or, or life or whatever it is and take something away and say, you know, not I'm not going to let this person take my, I guess that's the only thing I keep coming around. Don't let them make you less of a person. Right. Take yeah, you don't want to give your power away to them. And no. that's, you know, especially if you've been in a narcissistic, abusive kind of relationship, you've been sucked into the narcissistic weirdness of supplying them. And, and you know, what narcissists do is they they tend to, like, isolate you from other people and and beat you mm-hmm. down and kind of basically say you need me and and all these weird it's just it's just so sad yes and and when you start to take your power back from a narcissist you know that they'll they'll really try to to beat you down and and when you can start to love yourself yeah more than Mm -hmm. anyone else anyone else and and that's so weird to say but so true and necessary. It is. Because when you get and I'm still not there. I mean, I still I still have a lot of those things, you know, like when I when I was little and you you know, you're so fat and and you can never do this and and all those things. So I I you know, I'm not there yet, but it's so important to say to treat yourself as you would your own child and say be encouraging and say mm-hmm. yes, you know, you can do it or as your own coaching client, you know, mm-hmm. and give yourself those same encouragements and and so if if I can leave the audience with anything today, it's that Nothing is holding you back except for your thoughts. Yes. I'm going to say hallelujah again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, they so can be our, very entertaining. They can be very entertaining. They, they can. Yeah, yes. that's true. So our time's almost up. And I want to know if there was anything else you were hoping to share today. <sighs> I think we covered so much ground. And I think we're on this. I just loved our conversation. Yeah, was there great. was so much depth and great tools and information that people can take away. But both you and I know, first of all, you know, watch the thoughts. Don't believe, don't believe everything that, that you think. That's important. Right. And you can change them. You can change them and you can, you know, step back and look at them and that you're much more powerful than you think you are. I'm mm. here to tell you, um, that that can happen. I've seen so many people and so, so have you, right? You know, yeah. so, so don't ever give up. Just keep yeah. going, persist. And yeah. find other people out there, other people that will support you, because there's plenty of them that will. Yeah, there's there's a there's a a lot of women in the Minomate community who can count, you know, who can really lift you up for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, where can people find you? TerrySidford.com. And right all my information on. is there. And that's Terry T-E-R-R-Y. All right. And Sidford.com. Thank you that's, so much. What it, what an honor it has been for to have that conversation we've had today. Well, thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement today. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Did you know that menopause is not a medical condition? Most doctors don't know this either. I like to say that menopause is the privilege of a long life. And to really take hold of our lives in menopause, we have to unlearn what society and the medical establishment has told us about menopause. This is why I've created this brand new course called Understanding Your Hormones and Managing Your Menopause. I want to show you how you can get on top of your menopause right now so that you can start to see it as the best time of your life. Now, this course is valued at $500 and is in the beta testing phase. 
And we're currently accepting applications for women to test it out for us at no charge in exchange for feedback and testimonials. But the best part is because you're a podcast listener, you can bypass the application process and go straight to the front of the line. To register right now, simply visit menopausemovement.com forward slash hormones, and we can get started together right now. Remember, you can get started right now at no charge to you in exchange for feedback and testimonials when you go to menopausemovement.com forward slash hormones, and I'll see you inside the course. Thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. Thank you.